My name is Jared Matthew Weiss, and every month in New York City, I host a conversation amongst a hundred people about love and sex. Everyone can be anonymous, and anyone can share. Because before we're straight, gay, cisgender, transgender, monogamous, polyamorous, whatever, we're human. And the more we talk to each other, the more human our world will be. On this podcast, you'll get to feel like you're sitting in the circle with us in New York City, listening and learning from other people's experiences in bed and in love. This is the Touchpoint Town Hall. Here we go. So, so tonight, you know, we do have a couple storytellers in the house. So everybody, please put your hands together. She's going to tell us an unbelievable story about finding your comfort zone. A few years ago, I was dating a man that I met on Field, an online dating site for those who want to explore. On our first date, I immediately knew that I was gonna sleep with him. The chemistry was crazy, and I was like, wow, he is so fine. <laughs> and to this day, he's one of the finest men I've ever slept with. A few months in, you know, we had established what we wanted out of our relationship. I was really stressed at work, and I really just didn't have the energy for something serious, and I really just wanted to have fun. And I had explained to him that I was interested in BDSM, but was new to the life. But I had always been curious. And he was with it. And, you know, we had a very formal arrangement. We had a Google Calendar invites, so it made the week very exciting. <laughs> um, and this particular week, he invited me to his place, and I had never been to his place in the past few months. So I'm excited. He tells me what he wants me to bring with me. So the date's set. I had to bring a white lace bra and panty set and rope. So, you know, the night comes, work is horrible, and I'm like, it's fine. Google Calendar date, excited. I get to his place, and he lives in like a basement apartment, very dimly lit. So in my mind, I'm like a little nervous, but we've already really established trust. So I know the experience is gonna be good regardless. Um, I change into my outfit and I put the rope on the bed and he puts the glass wand. And I'm, in my mind, I'm intrigued, but I'm also like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't Did know you say the glass wand? The glass wand, yes. Um, I remember him blindfolding me and laying me on my back and I feel it slide in and I feel amazing. I felt like I blacked out. Like it was like orchestras playing, like fireworks, <laughs> like everything feels like so intense and loud and I'm just, I can't control any sounds that are coming out and it got so aroused that he covers my mouth because he doesn't want his parents to hear. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I just want to make sure he didn't want his parents to hear. Didn't want his parents to hear. <laughs> okay. So, I just remember feeling so free in that moment and just exhausted and exhilarated and I had never experienced that in my life before. I feel like I've been trying to chase this climax ever since, and it's still like the best sex I've ever had in my life. Woo! 
I have so many questions. <laughs> Specifically about his parents. <laughs> like, did they greet you? Did they like, it was, did I you li- interact with his parents? No, I literally didn't know that it was, that he lived, this is already too much and taboo and we just gotta yeah. just go home and okay. not talk all right. about this anymore. So, um, all right, so then my next question is about this glass wand. Cause it sounds like this experience, you know, a lot of things came up. We talked about sex expectations and consent. We talked about comfort. Um, you know, uh, it sounds like a whole space was created for you, right? It was in a Google Calendar invite. I mean, this thing was Very really serious. thoughtful. It was thoughtful. Um, but the glass wand is the thing that you really, you know, seems to be, that was like the moment. So had you ever um, explored using sex toys with a, with a partner before this? I don't think I ever felt comfortable, to use your word, with a partner enough to even explore. And I don't feel like I was comfortable with myself enough to even ask or mm. inquire. And I just felt like he did a great job of just like leaving the space open for us to just ask questions and like be curious. And I, I, I started to like read up on BDSM. I started to ask questions like, you know, I was in chat rooms, like asking all the questions that I always wanted to know. And I just felt free in that way. like. It's fine. I'm a woman. I can explore my sexuality. I deserve to be pleasured. And maybe I don't like what everyone else likes, and that's fine. The one thing I would say to that is maybe I don't like the things that nobody else seems to be admitting they like. Yes. Um, yes. On the traditional sex thing. All right, right. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. So, so what's coming up? I mean, that story had a lot. What words come up for you when you hear that story? Leap of faith. Kinky. Kinky. Kinky's a fun word. We'll get into that in a second. What else we got? Permission. Permission. Submission. Erotic. Surrender. Erotic. Surrender. Who said surrender? Hi. <laughs> so, when in your life have you surrendered? I don't think ever. You don't think ever? Mm-mm. What does surrender mean? I think for me it's permission to just be. I don't think I've gotten there yet. I think it's, I don't want to say it's a target because that makes me sound like it's a project, but I think it's peeling it away and allowing yourself to Mm. be. And I think it's partly a society thing, partly a way of life that we have here. And it's just, you got to surrender to walking out of the house in the morning and getting on the subway in the morning. So I just think it encompasses also my sex life. Um, Do you... Have you ever had a partner where you really felt like you were hopeful and then it didn't work out the way you wanted to? Yeah, well, I don't think I actually ever really surrendered and like gave that power to somebody else. I think it's been a struggle for me. Has anybody ever surrendered to you? Yes. How did you Very hold the space? I held it because I can hold vulnerability for other people, but I don't allow other people to hold it for me. So what did it look like when your partner surrendered to you? What happened? I don't know, I think it's, it's partly selfish also, like when you see someone just like find awesomeness, kind of like you describe that moment that we chase and you see it in someone else and you're like, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So, but you didn't feel in that moment like you wanted to also open up? Nah. <laughs> Guess not. Right? Because I think if I, if I did, then I would. Yeah. Then I would. So it's, it's kind of like that balance. Like, it seems like such a nice idea to like, 
jump out of a plane or, you know, the idea seems nicer than the work you have to put in sometimes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate that. You know, surrender seems to be a big piece of this great sex thing, right? What comes up when you hear the word surrender? Okay. Who else? Trust. True self. True self. Who said trust? All right. Let's talk. Great sex is trust. Surrender is trust. Have you had any moments of real trust in bed with partners? Yeah. Tell me about one of them. I mean, the one that sticks out immediately is probably the first time that I had sex with a person that I was in love with, and it was their first time. It was their first time having sex. Yeah. And again, when you say having sex, what are you talking about? Um, intercourse. Sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse. Okay. Because yes. intercourse is just another word for conversation. <laughs> Some might say we're having sex right now. So. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not you. Okay. That is very unenthusiastic. I got you. Okay. So. You, were, you had sex with a partner, you loved this partner, and this was this partner's first time having sexual intercourse. Word. Word. So, how was it? What happened? There's a lot of ways to have yeah, sex. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Um, it was awkward, but it was pure. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Um, this was someone that I had been in love with for many years, and we had both gone off to different colleges, and she came to visit me at my university and we had a chance to connect in a sexual way and it was the patience to understand each other's body and then also this, the freedom to just be and that trust to know that the other person cares enough about you that they want to make sure that, that I'm having as good of a time as, as, as she is. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, I appreciate that. You know, being safe, feeling trust, surrendering, um, these are obviously integral parts of what it means to have great sex. And I feel like I would love for our next storyteller, you know, he has a story about safety, about trust, about surrender, that uh, it really touched my heart. And uh, I'm so grateful that he's here to share it with us. Everybody, please give him a round of applause. So tell us what happened. Hey everyone. So my story happens around the latter half of me in undergrad in college. You know, a young adult and I feel like at that point I was lucky enough to have figured out my sexuality and all the things I was into and I felt like I had a down pack like, yes, I'm gay, I like men, I like people that have penises and like I was so sure of it. And I was fortunate enough to be on a um, small, liberal artsy, let's go barefoot and sing Wonderwall in the woods kind of <laughs> campus. So I had the luxury of like being somewhere where people were more open-minded. I thought myself so open-minded because I was like, I'm attracted to men regardless of their masculinity or femininity or any of those little categories. And you know, I was patting myself on the back. I'm young and I'm so open-minded and stuff. And then I met this man named Sam at a party on campus. It was the middle of nowhere, so it was just a bunch of very bored college students trying to like find something to do. We were in a garage, and I see Sam, and I'm like, ooh, that's a good-looking fella. And Sam was like this very lanky man with like 
sleeveless t-shirt and like sleeve tattoo and I also like that he had glitter and cat eyes like beauty girl cat eyes and I was like that's great I love that you look so comfortable in your skin I kind of want to see more of your skin (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm dancing with Sam and we find ourselves dancing down the one road on our campus back to my dorm and when we get there and there's a lot of drunken conversation. And, you know, there's a lot of questions of like, you know, with two guys, is there like a slot A into a slot B? And I'm gonna leave that to your imagination. But we're sitting there, this conversation, there's pants off, and I realize there's, Sam, Sam doesn't have a dick. Because it turns out that um, Sam was told at birth that he wasn't a man. And he kind of had to figure that himself out. But he felt comfortable with me because it turned out I had known Sam when he was Samantha. He had recently come into himself and I'm meeting him afterwards, not knowing, connecting to the person I knew before. And that was a little awkward because like, it challenged both of us really difficultly. I thought I was like the most open-minded person, but can I have sex with a man without a penis? And bless him, he was very nice about it because it took a lot for him to be willing to like, let me go home with this guy who I'm sure knows what's going on, but I didn't. And I realized that there was so much more to it because he said something interesting to me. He's like, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm Sam now and I still like guys, but like like them in a gay way. And that was very deep for me because I was like, well, I like guys in a gay way. <laughs> I thought that was the only way I could like guys. But this, this guy, he's still hot. I like Sam. I could, I could do things with Sam. And maybe there's no dick involved. It was a nice union as, as drunken one night stands in college can be. But the great part about it was the conversation before and the conversation afterwards. At that point in my life, I thought I had figured it out. You're, you like men, but even that is so complicated. I mean, it was a blur, but it was great in the sense that like, we both came out of it with something that like, was very important. He knew it was a possibility not to have to jump through the hoops of like, oh, when am I gonna tell them that, you know, what's in my pants? And for me, it was a good reminder of being open-minded and realizing that like, yes, I've chosen this label for myself and it is what I am, but even within that, those little boxes we put ourselves in, there's so much more to it and it can make a conversation greater if you're willing to be safe with someone and connect with them on that level. So that's what made that particularly memorable for me. Woo! Wow. You know, a lot comes up for me when you share that story. I think the thing that comes up for me is that, you know, great sex is a moment where we can find out more than who we are, but who we can be. But it's such a reflection. And I think that we often frame sex and and its expression as this thing that's supposed to get us to a place. It's supposed to, you know, we're supposed to experience an orgasm or, but I think that sometimes it just serves as a reflection. And and thank God you're here to to share that story with us. have you, have you encountered uh, 
or considered any other partners since that experience? Um, you know, have you, when you say you're open-minded, how has your perspective on who you orient yourself towards and why and how, how has that shifted, if at all? There was that moment of moral panic of like, am I gay? I, I, am I still this? If I'm having sex with someone whose body wasn't what I initially had in my mind as an attraction, but realizing like, the open-mindedness doesn't come from like suddenly being open to all genders or expressions, but there's an energy that's like very specific that makes it a love or a connection that's like, I know this is a gay kind of like interaction. Whether or not whatever your body was when they decided to tell you what to put on your birth certificate. So I know from that moment I was like more receptive to the idea of like, I could be with a man who doesn't have a dick, and I don't have to be a dick about that, <laughs> you know, like. So I think, yeah, I did get more open-minded yeah. after. Thank you happened. so much. Um, what words are coming up for you now? Okay, hi, confidence. Hi. Tell me about confidence. For me, yeah. having good sex is being confident in who I am. Um, and I think it also takes that vulnerability of them being confident in who they are and in what's about to happen and confident in kind of what we can create together. So when you say confident in what's about to happen? I think just anything in the realm of sexuality or closeness or even like emotional connection with someone. Yeah. So when you lack confidence in yourself, you're having a moment of self-esteem, which we all do. Say word if you've had that. Word. Okay, we're all there, right? Um, have you ever communicated that to a partner? Have you ever been there and been like, you know what, right now I'm not feeling so good about myself, I don't know if I can drop in. Or do you do what many people shared at the beginning, which is just go through with it anyway? Definitely both. I think I've only really shared that once. How was it received? It was with my partner of like four or five years, so I think it was that safe space, but to, I'm definitely not there yet. So that's actually why I came tonight, just to kind of hear other people's perceptions and mm. to figure out how other people gain that confidence and kind of expand my vocabulary and expand my mind to what else is out there, because I think a lot of people don't talk about it and that creates a lack of confidence. So even having confidence that you don't have confidence, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, so when we're talking about confidence and sex, what's coming up for you? What? What was that? What? Like desire, like want, like yeah. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> um, what, what's going on? Well, what comes up is having the capacity to ask for what you want. Okay. Or what I want, like, yeah. yes, okay. thank you. Yeah. So it took a long time for me to recognize that I, could, I would never ask for what I wanted. What do you want? Smack me on the ass, to look me in the eyes, to touch me here. Mm. I have a desire to touch you there. Can I do that? Consent, wheel of consent. Yeah, right? okay. So having the, the ability and the capacity to say like, this is what I want and communicating that to my partner is so much more hot than just feeling like I'm gonna do this because I don't want to stop. 
A thing that you're really not even enjoying A thing anyway. that I'm not into. <laughs> so how'd you get there? <laughs> a lot of work. A lot of inner work. A lot of recognizing that I was miserable in a lot of ways. And just doing a lot of inner work. Recognizing my own trauma. Mm. And writing my own story versus having somebody else write it. Yeah. Did you have a partner that served as a bit of like a, a shepherd in that respect? No. Do you, do you feel like you play the shepherd now? Yes. What's that like? What's awesome. it like to like create space for somebody to like, you know, introduce them to a glass wand? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. You know, I, right now I have a partner who is open and expressive and we have great sex and there's a lot of, a lot more communication and a lot, I think right off the bat, I felt safe so I could be expressive in a, in a totally new way. What's like a I, totally new way? Like you're texting um, while like you're... sexting. Okay. Like yeah. I want you here. Yeah. I want your fingers inside me. Like being able to express exactly what I want in that realm or in that medium was totally new. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. Wow. So, I mean, we've heard a lot of things tonight. Anybody have you know, been sitting here being like, oh man, we missed something, I gotta share something, there's something on my mind that hasn't been spoken yet. There's always one. Oh yeah, there we go. So I was thinking about some of the best sex that I've ever had, and a lot of the like, I think of moments, just in my memories of past partners that I had, and it's, it's interesting to me because I've probably had sex with that partner or these partners like hundreds of times, and the memory for me comes in these like snapshots that I don't even fully know if in that moment I recognize like how imprinted that moment would become in my understanding of that relationship. And I don't even know if for me in that moment that I thought of it as good sex mm. or great sex. Yeah, what's an example of that? <laughs> um, I dated this mermaid. <laughs> I met a girl who was an actress and in an immersive play, and she played this like beautiful mermaid, and uh, ended up becoming this beautiful relationship. And uh, the moment that I remember, like the great sexual moment, was after we'd gotten out of the shower. She just like bent over onto the bed, and it was just like an invitation. It was, it was so hot and so sexy. Um, and that's like the snapshot. Wow. Anybody else have an interesting story around an invitation? Because that feels like a real theme. You know, it feels like a real theme, whether it's a Google Calendar invite or it's, you know, have no sex expectations. Um, you know, that, that feels like a real, a real thing. Anybody else have a story around like a moment where they're like, wow, somebody really invited me into the space of sex in a way that made it so special? It was my, my first threesome I particularly thought about when you said that, uh, because that's a clear invitation into, because I'm, I'm a unicorn, so I, I have sex with couples sometimes. Uh, Hold on, we're gonna pause right there. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody in this room not know what the word unicorn means in this context? Great, so you wanna explain it to them? Sure, I mean, my experience of it is I really enjoy 
entering into an already formed relationship, so a couple in this instance, uh, as sort of like a play partner. And it can vary in the ways that it manifests itself, but you know, there's a lot of it on field or just all these apps to sort of like find a unicorn. The reason it's called a unicorn is because like apparently we're very rare, but I know a ton of unicorns though. So. On that note, <laughs> it's actually really funny because in, in heterosexual couples, uh, a unicorn is a female that will join the couple and they say that that's the unicorn. And I say, I actually think it's the woman in the relationship that's the unicorn. Uh, so you go on. Um, and so it was my first time actually enacting this fantasy of being a unicorn and I mean talk about an invitation it was just you know this couple um, they are married and they're polyamorous so am I and so he was was fucking me I was on my ba- my back and she can only come using a vibrator so she w- she had to like sort of plug it into this outlet that was like far from the bed um, so like I because it was uh, out of battery and so I had my head like swung back on the the edge of the bed so he's fucking me and then she's like she's like finger me and I'm like oh you're really far away. And so she like scoots the chair that she's on as close to sh- as she can without like unplugging the vibrator. And I'm like fingering her from behind or like my, my arm is behind my head. And I'm fingering her and he's fucking me. And they came at the same time in between me. <laughs> and that's my snapshot. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I, th- I, I felt like, for me, smack my ass and look me in the eyes was going to be the thing that I was going to take. But now, they came at the same time. That was great. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay, so, so you said that you're, you identify as polyamorous. Uh-huh. Um, how long have you been exploring polyamory? Uh, I've been non-monogamous for six years and identified as poly like two years ago. Okay, cool. How has your definition and expression of great sex, not just sex, right? Because Mm -hmm. like the first time, I mean, for me anyway, I I lost my virginity when I was 15. And so like great sex was just sex, right? You're just like, holy shit, that just happened, (laughs) right? But so now you've expanded your sphere. And so how do you feel like your definition of great sex has evolved as you've stepped into a like a more non-monogamous or polyamorous life? Well, there's been a lot of talk in, in this room about just trust. And though I, I really do relate to that. And I think trust takes time. And I don't necessarily think great sex for me requires like a, a like a trust that has been built over time. Mm-hmm novelty to me is really important Mm -hmm. in my sex life whether that be with like a long-term partner or just a one-night stand i seek out different sets of experiences and in my sort of like rolodex of snapshots of great sex it's usually things that i had done for this was my first time doing Mm -hmm. that particular thing that like i was pushing the my own boundaries a little bit and just kind of like dipping my toe in in unknown waters. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. So it's interesting when you're saying that you, you require more novelty in order to like get aroused and, and dive into that. I think that the, the subject and, and relationship between identity and how we identify 
in all the ways uh, and how we express ourselves sexually is really important. And so uh, is anybody in here familiar with the term sociosexuality? Okay, then let me turn you on to this word. <laughs> so sociosexuality is like a fancy way of talking about essentially our willingness to have sex with another person based on how well we know them. So colloquially, we call this casual sex, right? That's if we're on a, you know, there's, there's unrestricted and there's restricted. And so some of us are more unrestricted than others. Unrestricted meaning some people are like, I don't even need to know your name and this is great. And other people are fully restricted and they're like, we need to be married in order for me to do this. And so, but it is a spectrum. And what we've learned about sociosexuality is that it is an orientation. So there's so many people that are going to tell you like, hey, hey, liberate yourself. Go fuck anybody you can. And some people are like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And we have all these narratives around the way we're supposed to show up in the world. But like what we're finding out more and more is that these are orientations that when somebody says that, you know, often in this circle, I hear people talking about, you know, polyamory or monogamy, and they don't say they're in a monogamous relationship. They say they're monogamous or they're polyamorous. It's, in, it's, a, it's an identity. And so, you know, when we're talking about identity and sexuality, I mean, that came up a lot as far as, you know, as a woman, I can celebrate this. I can experience this. I can have this. As a gay man, how can I possibly go through this experience and want this? And so the relationship between identity and our sexuality is, you know, a very important thing to bring our consciousness to, to bring our awareness to as we reflect and get introspective and think like, as an individual, as me, what do I want? What do I want? So as we close this space on this subject of identity and sexuality, what's coming up for you? Any words? Fluid. Fluid. Wonderful. Anybody else? Continuous. Continuous. Evolving. Blank slate. Say that again? Blank slate. Blank slate. Tell me what's coming up for you. For me, when I've had great sex, it was when there was no expectation in, in that specific moment. Expectations and of what? What should happen, what needs to happen, how it will happen, what are we going to do? Should I put my hand there? Should I put my head here? not somehow being outside, consciously outside of the situation. Mm -hmm. um, not in a metaphysical way of seeing the situation as a third person, but detaching the conscious expectation and just being in there at that moment. And so blank slate as in not thinking of, not bringing to mm. that place anything from the outside. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you identify as a man? Is that how you identify? Most of the time. Okay. Most all the time. Okay, but, great. Yeah. So do you feel like in those moments, those expectations, are they expectations of you as a man? Yes, but not as simplified as you say it. It's not just as a man, it's as a man in this situation, it's as a man in the society that we're in, it's as a person. Mm -hmm. Regardless of man or woman mm -hmm. in the society we're in, in the situation we're in, I'm in. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing around this subject of identity is that when we're talking about great sex, right? Depending on how we identify, there's different types of great sex we feel like we're allowed to have. 
You know, that comes from within. Anybody have that feeling? Say word. You know, I hope that was an honest word. I know it was a word for me, so I just wanna make sure. But often it's like, as a man, I feel like I have to experience this this way, and this is what I'm supposed to do. As a woman, this is how I'm supposed to show up. This is what great sex means for a woman. You know, as a gay man, this is what it means. Somebody said something about being fluid. Where are you? Hi. So when you're talking about a sense of fluidity, as that relates back to identity, what, how does that show up in your, in your uh, sex life I guess yeah totally I I definitely spent like a large portion of my adult sexual life thinking that I was straight and then I shifted over into like being more hetero flexible and so it's shifting like you know I mostly prefer having sex with men but sometimes I have sex with women sometimes I have sex with one person sometimes I have sex with multiple people and also I think it's fluid in the sense that when you're talking about orientation and how it relates to socio-sexuality, like that has been fluid for me. So I think I started off when I was really young, having a lot of meaningless sex with a lot of different people. And, you know, I cared more about the size of the person's dick than like who they were as a person. And now I'm moving more into, you know, I don't really want to have sex with someone unless I really care about them. So that orientation has also been fluid for me or shifting. Um, And I think that it's the holding the container for yourself to kind of let the fluidity move around. That's been a really amazing experience in my sex life. So So do you have a story that you can think of? (laughs) So I started getting curious about having sex with women and I'd never done it before, so I thought that a great way to try it out is to go to an all-girls sex party. I've never been someone to kind of like dip my toe in the pond. I just kind of go head first. And so, the, <laughs> um, so I like, you know, rocked up to this penthouse with like 60 beautiful women who were all there to kind of experiment. It's called Skirt Club. It's like a sex party club, I guess, where women who are curious about having sex with other women without men's prying eyes can go and experiment. And, you know, I'm usually very submissive. Like, what if with a girl it's different? Like, what's the dynamic going to be like? And, you know, it, it just kind of all came together. And this this woman who was very dominant found me and was like, you're with me. And, um, you know, <laughs> and we were having sex while people were still just kind of like, small talk and getting to know each other but it was just amazing and all the like worries of like how different is it really with a girl versus a man just kind of melt away because it is in that moment about that person and you guys listening to each other and like seeing like what the other person likes and the connection and and when you talk about invitation like one of my favorite invitation snapshots is I was with this woman and we were like in a bed with like eight other women they're all just like coming all around me and I just kind of was caressing this random person that I didn't even really know who she was and I think some other girl was going down on her at the same time and she was like sit on my face and I was like okay and so like that was like a really awesome invitation so I was like okay I'll be right back I'm just gonna go sit on this woman's face right now and I mean it was it was amazing and the best part was was that with women the the sex was over when 
all of us just couldn't come anymore. Like we were just all so tired. And, um, and then we all just like sat in a circle on this bed and like laughed about like how shit most sex with men is. And then my dom like went and bought me a burger and paid for my cab home. And I was like, I can't even remember the last time that a guy like made me come until I couldn't come anymore, bought me a burger and paid for my cab home. <laughs> Oh my God, thank God you're here. Um, you know, it is, it's funny that you talk about the, the orgasms uh, that, you know, coming so many times. We do hear this rhetoric constantly that it's very challenging for, you know, people with vaginas to come and there's this big pleasure gap. Uh, but when they do a little bit deeper research, they found out, oh, that's just people with vaginas who are having sex with people with penises. <laughs> so it's not really about the people with the vaginas. So, um, so I appreciate you telling that story. Thank you so much. Um, as we close this space, by a show of hands, how many of you here have heard at least one thing you think you're going to be thinking about as you leave here tonight? You heard one thing, something, anything, anything. I think the idea of surrender and how that's like vulnerable and kind of going into that space where like when am I willing to do that? Because I think I resonated with that story of like, sometimes it's harder to be vulnerable, but like you also want that other person to mm. be vulnerable with you. Thank you so much for sharing that. My friend, what did you hear? You heard all these people share all these things. What do you think you're gonna think about? Um. I mean, I heard so much. I mean, she told the story about the glass wand. He's talking about, you know, d d sleeping with somebody, you know, where he was, the gender was like a real big gender reveal party. And then, you know, you know, she has never surrendered to anybody. We're hearing all these stories. What, what's speaking to you? It's just really interesting for me to hear a lot of experiences that I haven't traditionally thought about. And it's interesting to hear these interpretations and like, the learnings that people have that are just things that I've never experienced. Mm, that's amazing. You know, the word for traditional uh, is normative. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard that word before? It's becoming a, a thing. We're talking about it a lot these days. And normativity is this idea of like, you know, there are things that are normal. Like we'd all agree that being gay is perfectly normal. We'd also agree it's not normative meaning that we don't really see it everywhere, right? Most of us grew up in a world in which all we really saw was heterosexual couples, and, right? So it's not normative. So when we talk about traditional, traditional sex, right? It's just normative. It's just like what we've projected out into the world. Um, and this is a great space to find out what else is going out there. So thank you so much for sharing. Okay, so the two of you here. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to close the space. So you've heard a lot of things. So my question is just, what have you heard? For me, I think I'm reframing my definition of sex. I always thought of sex as like vaginal intercourse. And I realized how I have very high sex expectations. <laughs> all right, my friend. Everything. Yeah? yeah that's, that's all right, all good. Else. You guys are going to have some really important conversations, I think. <laughs> Okay, please, round of applause for them. They've been amazing. You're unbelievable to come to something like this and have no idea. Now, as I close the space, I always like to say that the most important thing, and you hit the nail on the head so well, and so did you, the most important thing we can take away is that when we talk about sexuality, we open our minds. 
and we connect at a level that's just so unbelievably human that we change. We actually change as a result. And so the questions that you're asking yourself or that you heard asked here tonight, go out into the world, bring them to your friends, bring them to your partners, bring them to your parents, but take this conversation with you because the more we talk to each other, the closer we become. And you know, you don't have to talk about sex in order to have sex, but it turns out we do have to talk about sex in order to have great sex. I'm Jared Matthew Weiss. Thanks for listening to Touchpoint True Stories. For more information about Touchpoint, you can find us on Instagram at lovetouchpoint and on web at lovetouchpoint.com. We'll see you next time.